This episode is brought to you by Chalk Cartel. I've been using their chalk for a few years now. And now, Chalk Cartel has a new product called the Taco Skin Sander. The taco is made by a company called Crux Climbing in Spain. And Chalk Cartel is the exclusive distributor of the taco in the U.S. Climbers have been using skin sanders and files for decades, but I've always preferred something round. I find that if I use a flat file, I can't really get into the creases between the pads of my skin. And those creases are usually when I get bunchy calloused skin that might turn into a flapper or a split a crease split if I'm not careful. The taco skin sander is perfect. It's got this nice rounded beveled edge. You can use whatever shape on it you want. You can use a more flat shape. You can use a more curved shape. You can really get in there and sand all the parts of your skin that are rough or torn. Get rid of those little nicks and things that might catch on the rock. Keep your skin looking amazing between every burn. I bring this thing with me to the crag, bouldering, sport climbing. I bring it with me every time I go climbing and I use it all the time. It also comes with two different grits of sandpaper, which is super handy. You can use the more coarse grit to really rough up your skin. I almost always use the fine grit. I actually have my taco set up with two pieces of fine sandpaper. You can either have it mixed or matched or choose one or the other. I like the fine stuff. That's plenty of sanding power for me. I use it all the time. I absolutely love this thing. So check it out. Go to chalkcartel.com to pick up your very own taco skin sander from Crux and pick up some chalk while you're at it. Again, you can head to chalkcartel.com and use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next purchase. That's chalkcartel.com and get ready to join the cartel. This episode is brought to you by Fizzy Vantage. It's been nearly five years since Fizzy Vantage created their flagship product, Supercharged Collagen, a product now used daily by thousands of passionate climbers. I am one of them. Dozens of pro climbers like Daniel Woods, Paige Glasson, Drew Ruana, and many others swear by their daily collagen usage, and for good reason. It works. There's tons of research on collagen and Six new peer-reviewed studies published in the last two years demonstrate numerous positive benefits for athletes who consume collagen daily. In one study, collagen supplementation improved the rate of force development. Another study found greater tendon hypertrophy and stiffness with collagen versus just training alone. Another showed a decrease in ACL ruptures. And a meta-analysis showed that 15 grams of collagen per day can increase collagen synthesis rates, improve joint functionality, reduce joint pain, and improve muscle recovery. So many benefits to collagen. The list goes on and on. You can learn more about how supercharged collagen can support your training and climbing at fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your next order. That's fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your next order. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast, where it is my job to extract as many nuggets as I can from my wide range of guests, often about rock climbing, but covering many other topics as well. In this episode, there are many nuggets related to hard sport climbing, climbing big walls in Pakistan, and cooking, some great cooking tips from today's guest. My guest today is Matt Siegel. Matt has been on the podcast before, way back in episode 54, almost three years ago. 
And it was very fun to have him back on. Matt has had his best year of climbing ever this year, doing his first 514D or 9A sport route by sending kryptonite earlier this year. And then he and teammates Jesse Huey and Jordan Cannon recently made the first repeat of a route called Cowboy Direct in Pakistan. This is like 513 minus at 20,000 feet on the Nameless Tower in Pakistan. So it was very fun to hear about two very impressive accomplishments in two complete opposite aspects of the sport. But there's some similarities as well. This guy seems to love to suffer and be very good at it. We also talked about cooking. Matt loves to cook and has a brand new YouTube channel where he climbs and cooks with climbing legends. His first two episodes are out. The first one's with Ethan Pringle, and the second one is with Tommy Caldwell. I've watched them both. They're super fun. I highly recommend checking them out. And right now, Matt is doing a giveaway for anyone who subscribes to his YouTube channel. So go check it out. There's a link right there in your podcast app. Click the subscribe button, and you will automatically be entered to win a giveaway. You can win a Traeger grill, and some gear from, I believe, the North Face and La Sportiva. So it's a great deal. His show is super fun. It just feels like hanging out with him and his guests and climbing and cooking with them for the day. And it's awesome. We talk about it a lot in this episode, so you'll hear a lot more in a minute. But yeah, it was great to have Matt back on. I really enjoy talking to him. He had a nearly life-ending paragliding accident in 2017, I believe. And we talked about that quite a lot in the first episode. I actually wish that I had let him tell that story again as a refresher here. But if you want to hear more about that, we did cover it in a lot more detail in our first episode. So be sure to go check that out if you want to hear that story. But very amazing that he was able to not only survive, but recover from that accident. And it's so inspiring that he's been able to push his climbing to the highest level it's ever been in his late 30s. He's 39 and just had his best year ever. So very cool, very inspiring guy. And without further ado, let's dive in. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Matt Siegel. You ready to dive in? Yeah, let's let's do it. I guess do you you do you feel good about like kind of the topics I sent you? Yeah, yeah, I feel great. I've got an outline in front of me. Um, there's a lot here, and it's a little bit more haphazard than usual. So I apologize in yeah. ahead if I'm kind of scanning through things and trying to find notes that I know are there somewhere. Okay, but but yeah, I've got a lot to talk about. I'm excited to chat with you again, man. It's good yeah. to see you. Cool. Yeah, good to see you too. Where did you just get back from? You like landed today and are you super jet lagged? I'm like, is this good timing for an interview? But it's, but it's you. And I was like, if anything, this will just be a good story. So let's just go for it. Yeah. So I am a little jet lagged for sure. I, uh, was in man, I've kind of like, since I got back from Pakistan, which we can get to later, I've just been on like a whirlwind of travel, random things. So I went to Kentucky about two weeks ago for the Adaptive Climbing Fest cool. to help out there and then flew straight from Kentucky to Sardinia, um, had like five days of fun climbing with Maddie Hong and Nina Williams. We tried some routes in the Garupu Canyon, some multi-pitch sport routes. And then we had our North Face Athlete Summit 
for another like four days. And then I flew straight from there to a friend's wedding in Chattanooga. And then I literally just landed in Boulder 15 minutes ago to snow. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, what a whirlwind. Um, I want to start, I mean, there's, th this is a dicey question to ask because we could easily spend the whole podcast on this and it could just be like a catch-up session for you and I, but um, I want to hear what you've been up to for the past three years, kind of globally. Like we're going to get into climbing and cooking in your new YouTube show. And I want to talk about um, this amazing year of climbing that you've had and kryptonite and, and Pakistan and um, so many other things along with that. But we did our first episode in, I think it was around this time of year, maybe around Thanksgiving 2020. So it's been almost three full years. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I believe I just like three years ago, just climbed 14A maybe after yeah. my accident. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd done yeah. Zulu, right? Or, or something in rifle. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to know the backstory about that, we don't have to get into it. You know it. I crashed well, we, Totally. We, we, we shared your story fun. last time. Yeah. So yeah, people can go revisit that. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, and then, you know, the last three years since, since then have been pretty full on climbing, I would say, uh, kind of back to what fe feels a little bit more normal. I think with now the time that's come between in the last three years, I, I kind of have been recently looking at my accident like a little differently um, than I did probably when we talked before. Uh, now, you know, I feel like I had one of the best years of my climbing ever. And I, I kind of attribute it to the fact that when I got hurt, it's about five years ago now, I was kind of burnt out and was like kind of like starting to trend away from climbing. And I feel like getting hurt, like kind of rejuvenated things because it took everything away. So really the last three, you know, five years have been pretty focused on climbing. Um, I would say, and, and, you know, the first two years before we talked was like kind of getting back to a certain baseline. And then the last three years really was, you know, focused on kind of like pushing it, I mm. would say. Yeah. Um, and spent a lot of time in the wind river range with Jesse Huey. We put up a new first descent, um, on Mount Hooker, which was pretty epic. Um, and that was like a three summer ordeal basically, wow. uh, took a lot, a lot of effort. Um, and then climbing wise, that was it. A lot of sport climbing, uh, kryptonite finally went to Pakistan, which is something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. Mm. Uh, got engaged. Yeah. Congratulations. Year. I saw that you got, you got engaged. Yeah. Uh, was it at Jonathan and Shana's yeah. wedding or, or yeah, on that trip? Loved your outfits. I saw your Instagram posts. You guys dressed up. It was a costume wedding for people that didn't see this on Instagram and you guys dressed up as Adam's family characters. And I was just yeah, it was, delighted. It was, it was very fun. Yeah, it was pretty special. Uh, my partner and I were not like big, big dress up people, but we were like, all right, we're going to do it. <laughs> and uh, we had just watched that like Wednesday show. And I was like, oh, Ali, you should be Wednesday. But, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be. So we, we just changed it and went for the parents, uh, Morticia <laughs> and Gomez. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Right on. Well, yeah, I, I spoke over you a little bit when you were giving a brief recap just now. Um, but for people that didn't hear our first episode, all the details are there if you want to hear about the accident. I think we covered it in quite a bit of depth, but you had a nearly life-ending accident in 2017 paragliding 
broke, I don't know how many bones, most of the bones in your body. Um, like over a dozen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You were a mess and it's a miracle that you're, you're not only back to climbing, but um, so cool to hear that you're climbing your hardest. So anyway, just wanted to fill in a little more context around that. Um, what makes sense to start? I've, I just watched, I feel like I've been hanging out with you this morning. So this is really fun. I, or rather, I feel like I got to hang out with you and Ethan. I don't know if you know this, but Ethan and I have become good friends over the last few years. And we were just yeah. in Rocklands together for a couple months. And um, I've had his kale salad many times and <laughs> have, have spent many hours uh, you know, chatting with him and prepping other food while he's just they're massaging, just massaging and massaging and massaging that kale. So anyway, super fun to see your first episode of your new YouTube channel. Do you want to start there? Do you want to yeah, dive yeah, into we climbing? Could, we could start there and then kind of go from there, I guess. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I kind of followed the the herd here a little bit and started a YouTube channel. Well, you were, um, you were talking about this idea in our first episode. You had this idea for traveling and cooking and you didn't know exactly what was going to come out of it. So yeah, I guess the other thing that happened in between is in between our podcast is I put out a magazine called Brine. Um, and the hope was it was basically the first volume and there's only one volume was a road trip, a series of road trips with me, Andrew Bisharat and Drew Smith, who was the photographer. Andrew was the writer. And I was kind of the the main character that kind of put all the pieces together, but we traveled and went climbing and met up with other professional climbers and had them cook. And we like got to know them and they cooked us their favorite meal or something like that. And then we, we made this magazine. And um, as most people know, print media is dying. Uh, not only is it dying, it's just like, it's really expensive to mm. do. Um, so this was kind of, in the pandemic where I had some extra budget, like travel budget from sponsors and stuff like that, that I wasn't using because I wasn't really traveling. I was climbing close to home. I was going to rifle. I was going to Wyoming, which was all like very cheap trips. So I was able to like pull some money to like make this magazine happen. And, and we, we made the magazine happen and it was really cool and everybody loved it, but it was, it, it came in financially at a loss. Like mm -hmm. I didn't really think to make money off of it but i couldn't you know really spend my own money to do it again type of scenario um so after some time i kind of was like well this idea is really cool it kind of started and sparked a lot of new relationships for me in terms of sponsorships and brand partnerships um and i was like well i really want to continue to do something with food and cooking so uh we started the youtube channel i guess and a little backstory into me and food is like cooking and food has always been something that I've been really interested in, but it really was during the pandemic. Like most people like kind of just dove in, like, like you're not going out. Like I started like getting cookbooks and like just cooking way more for like my little group um, and way more like cooking while I was camping and yeah, kind of just like dove in and was like really into it and was really curious at what other people were doing. Mm. Uh, so last year, I basically was like, okay, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to like spend my own money um, and launch like, you know, the first six episodes basically and see what, and see what happens. And, and that's what we shot 
thus far is six episodes. We, we have plans to shoot some more in the next couple months. Um, but we launched with Ethan Pringle as the first one. And it's really, uh, I really like the one with Ethan because, sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place now. No, you're doing pur- great. This is perfect. The, the purpose is, is like, okay, I'm going to meet up with somebody, mostly climbers right now. Um, we have, I got one episode with Scott Jurek and his family. Um, and he's an ultra runner for those that don't know. So my hope is in the future to do other people that aren't just climbers, but obviously, you know, I'm a climber and I've been in the climbing community for over two decades. And it's like, I just know a lot of people. So, uh, meet up with somebody, we go on an adventure climbing or whatever. Um, and then we go back to either their house or my house or camping or whatever. And we cook something. And the idea really is for them to share something that they either have made. It's like a family recipe or something they want to make, you know, it's really flexible. It doesn't have to be something that's theirs. You know, it could be, we could tag team something. Um, and for Ethan, you know, he has this kale salad, uh, which is kind of a funny thing that, that he makes. So that was, that was, that's the first episode is we, we tried to go climbing. Uh, it was Baltic cold. Yeah. It was a really funny day. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot from this episode to filming other episodes that it's like, it's really all about uh, the character and the mood, I would say. And I feel like a lot of these, you know, I was able to capture that and trying to capture it in like a raw, more authentic way, less polished kind of YouTube style of like you, the viewer is getting to kind of come along on a day with me and Ethan, basically, I would say. And, you know, John Glassberg and Louder Than Eleven and shot um, most of these thus far. And it's, it's a really like, it's, they're, they're kind of just like windows into what it's like with me probing questions a little bit and just like hanging out and cooking. So like, there's some like looking at the camera and be like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'd make this. This is how, how like, you know, I like, you know, grilled Arctic char on my Traeger griddle, you know, and then this is what I'm doing and this is spices I'm using. So there is like some sort of like people can walk away with like a recipe to cook and like something like learned something about food. Um, but for the most part, it's just like this enjoyment of like people kind of hanging out and cooking and climbing and, and, you know, a, like really like a glimpse into the day. Yeah. Well, I think you nailed it, man. Like I said, I just watched your first episode. I think by the time this comes out, there will be at least a second. So at least a couple that people can go check out. Um, yeah. So the, the next episode, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about all of them to be totally honest. Oh, can you next, share who your guests are for the season? Yeah. I guess I can. I don't see why not. <laughs> um, the next episode's Tommy Caldwell. Sweet. Perfect. Um, which is great. He was kind of training and prepping to go on uh, his big bike and climb tour with Honold that he got back from a couple months ago. Um, uh, I don't know the order of the rest of them, but I did one with Len Nessifer, um, which was super fun. Did one with Mo Beck. Mm. Uh, did one with the Jurics, uh, Ultra Runners. Um, I did one with... Jordan Cannon and a whole crew, which is a really funny one where we haul the Traeger up Castleton Tower. Yes. Uh, and I, I, honestly, my hope is to do like more things like that too, like more like kind of 
uh, stunts, party tricks, because it's, it's actually pretty fun. You know, like mm-hmm. I like there's some random kids up there that I just like gave them like probably the most epic steak they'd ever eaten. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was like pretty awesome. Like uh, and they're I just like having that. a climbing day. They have no idea that you're going to be there. And yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> I mean, we, we, we tried to put it out there that we're going to be up there, but but yeah. I do have a, a handful of ideas for like grilling and cooking in wild places and like trying to like up the ante with like making fancy meals like you know like i want to do it ice climbing i want to do it on some other towers and um more just for fun just because it's like it's a it's a cool challenge and then there's an episode that is the only episode that wasn't like really that i shot on my own um and we'll see how this one turns out it's from pakistan Mm. uh yeah, so it's kind of like a food story in Pakistan. That's oh, cool. Probably be a little bit shorter than the rest of them, but um, I'm also excited about that because it's it was epic out there. Well, that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into that trip a little later. Um, but yeah, the show is just so quintessentially you. It just kind of has your flavor all over it, you know? Like you and Ethan went out to the Flatirons and you're just getting nuked by the wind. You're both in your huge puffies and... You know, Ethan's just like, I'll make you kale salad if you flash this. <laughs> just like, who uses that as reward? That's just so perfectly Ethan. I think his jaw looks the way that it does because he chews so much kale. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, it, it's just so fun. And then of course the cooking is is just fun. It's interesting. It's kind of vlog style. This isn't like a for people that you know are curious. It's not like a how to step by step recipe walk you through it show that where you like cook alongside it's really more like you're hanging out you're getting some tips you could definitely go make this food and this meal if you wanted to um but it's more of a vlog it's great yeah i think you really captured that kind of hangout vibe essence and i'm excited to watch more yeah sweet yeah we're i'm excited to slowly release them we're gonna release them every other week okay um yeah and see see kind of what see what happens here yeah um we've got six in the bag i have plans to shoot four more uh this winter in early january and then uh nice. yeah hopefully we'll continue awesome i want to dive into cooking and insights and tips if you have any i'm curious uh let's start here so you said that you dove in a little deeper, like you've always been interested in food and cooking, but in COVID, you had the time, the bandwidth, and you really dove into it. What did that look like? Are you watching YouTube videos? Are you educating yourself through that sort of material? Do you have like people that you look up to who you follow? Do you read cookbooks? Do you just experiment and try stuff out? How have you taught yourself? I would say a little, uh, honestly, it's kind of a little bit of all of what you just listed. And so okay. I follow like a ton of food accounts on Instagram. I mean, we're, we're all on Instagram so much. I feel like that's kind of where I get most of my inspiration in a lot of ways, to be totally honest. There's just a ton of cooking accounts out there that you can follow from like Bon Appetit to, you know, Epicurious to like certain chefs like Maddie mm. Mathis. Or, or there's a ton of, tons of, like food cooking things that you can follow. Um, and then the biggest tip, I actually like did some stuff with Traeger, this, uh, they do pellet grills who I, who I work with and they asked me the same question. It's like, what's the biggest tip? And, and I think the biggest tip is to like, kind of just not be intimidated and scared by mm. it and kind of just go for it. And you might fuck up. Like you might, you might make something that you can't eat, you know? Um, I think, and that's okay. You know, like, figure it out, you know, uh, 
my partner cooks, we cook very differently. I like to follow a recipe uh, first. Like I like to like find something, learn how to cook it, like, a, like how it's like intended to be cooked. And then I will riff on it from there. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like, like learn the form and then get creative within it. Um, yeah, that so makes sense. that's where cookbooks are helpful. I would say in a lot of ways, because they give you a recipe and then once you know how to do certain things, like, and you understand like the process, you could kind of like make your own dishes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the cookbooks and the Instagram stuff is like really for inspiration and you like see a recipe and you're like, Oh, like, well, I can't get kohlrabi in Colorado right now, but I could tweak it and add like apple or, you know, something, something else basically. And then, yeah, if there's things that you don't know how to do, there's a ton of Instagram things as well. But I mean, you could find anything on YouTube, like how to poach an egg perfectly. Mm. You know, there is like, I I also dive down those rabbit holes if I'm trying something new for sure. Cause there's, there's like 10 different, you know, there's a gazillion different ways to like cook a steak, for example, you know, like you could sous vide it, you could reverse sear it where you smoke it first and then grill it. You could just straight grill it. You could put it in a pan with, you know, like there's like, there's a ton of different ways. And for me, like I have my basics of like what I like to cook and eat at home normally, you know, which honestly is pretty simple. And then when I have people over or every once in a while, at least every week, I like try to do something new, Mm. you know, try to get creative and come up with an idea. That's like something a little bit out of the ordinary. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It'd be really fun to get a list of uh, accounts that you follow on Instagram Ooh. that I could share in the show notes and maybe yeah. a couple of cookbooks if you have like some staple ones that you return to often. For sure. Yeah. Um, that'd be really fun. And then, yeah, I wanted to ask when it comes to making delicious food, what are like the key things? Like, what does it really boil down to? Is it the ingredients? Is it the equipment? Like, I was watching you cook fish for Ethan in this video and you're throwing it on this Traeger griddle. I've never even really seen one of these, you know, like I, I'm like, I've used a grill, I've used a griddle on the stove. I've never even, yeah, played with, with a, you know, a Traeger griddle or something like that. Um, But it was really simple. You just, you know, you had, I think oil on the the griddle and then you put the fish on there and you just sprinkled some old bay seasoning salt. And I was like, no way. Like I used that in college. Like this isn't anything complicated. So is it the ingredients? Is it the equipment? Is it the seasonings? I would say the least is the equipment. I mean, it's with certain scenarios, it, the equipment's very important, I would say. Um, but I would I, I would always say with food, the number one thing is the ingredients. It's like getting high quality, good ingredients, like good fish and meat and fresh vegetables, you know, um, you know, local from the farmer's market if you can. And then it's kind of like knowing what you have equipment wise and knowing how to use it mm. um, and get new stuff, not being scared to use it. Like the griddle, for example, it's basically just massive cast iron is, mm-hmm. is, is what it is, right? So you could have done that on a cast iron in the stove, what gotcha. I did. Yeah. The, the griddle outside gets really fun because you kind of feel like a boss when you have like a bunch of things going on one surface area and you're like, you know, like frying veggies over here and, and, you know, cooking chicken or fish over there. And you're like, it's all like right in front of you. And it's really, really cool that way. Mm -hmm. 
And then what are, you said, you know, when you eat day to day, your diet's pretty simple or your, your meals tend to be pretty simple. Do you have any go-tos? Do you have go-to staple delicious meals um, that you return to often? Yeah, I mean, we do, I would say at least once, sometimes twice or more, like pretty simple protein and a salad and maybe like some potatoes for starch, something like that. And for protein, we'll maybe once a week, like grill a steak, something like that, or do like, like a simple fish type of scenario um, and make a salad. I would say is like the, now I'm kind of blanking out what other staples I have because <laughs> yeah. I'll put up the spot. Yeah. But I do think that that is like really, we grill a lot of vegetables too. Um, broccolini and asparagus and stuff like that. Yeah. Right on. Uh, but a cast iron chicken, crispy chicken dish that I like kind of took from another chef that I really like this woman, Molly Baz. She has a couple cookbooks and um, she used to work for Bon Appetit, I believe, and like does this like fennel, fresh herb, uh, like crispy chicken where you start it on like a cold cast iron and then crisp the chicken and then put it in the oven. And that's, we probably do that like every other week too. It's mm, really good. Nice. Is there a recipe that came out of doing this, these first six episodes of the cooking show or just a recent recipe that's popped up on Instagram that you're really excited about right now? Something you haven't tried yet that you're like, or that, or that you have tried that you're all fired up on? Mm, man, honestly, I, I, cooking is one thing that recently I haven't been doing a lot of because I've been traveling so much. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm kind of excited to, I still have another two, two and a half weeks of, um, pretty extensive travel okay. um, and I will be able to settle down and my mind will, will be able to, to go there. Yeah. But unfortunately I don't, I think that's part of it. It's like, uh, for me, you know, I cook all the time. Um, but I have to be like home and like inspired to like, mm. to like something that I'm excited about, you know? Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. What do you do when you travel? And I'm curious, this will kind of lead into um, climbing in this best year ever that you've the, that you've had in your own climbing this year. Um, I'm curious if nutrition's been a part of that, you know, like this just gets For talked sure. about a lot. Like people get older, you can't get away with some of the things that you got away with in your early 20s. I appreciate you because you still seem, you're just like drinking Modelo, doing your thing, you know, like trying hard. It's awesome. Um, but I'm curious if that's changed at all for you. And if so, how do you balance that with um, your passion for cooking? Like, do they go hand in hand? Are those sometimes like diametrically opposed interests, like keeping your nutrition on point versus like experimenting and cooking delicious things? Um, yeah, a lot, a lot to get into there, but. Uh, yeah, it kind of depends. Uh, you just remind me of a funny story. So Jesse Huey, he's a really good friend of mine. When I started climbing on kryptonite early in the season, I was climbing with Jonathan Segrist and was getting, getting really close. And Jonathan left and had to do an event with Jesse. And Jesse was like, so Segrist, like, how is Siegel really doing? And Segrist was like, well, he's going to do it unless he hashtag doesn't brine himself, which is like the food magazine, like the joke of like, whatever, cut myself, eat too much, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I think I don't really worry about the balance to be totally honest. Like I, uh, I want to be able to push it and climb hard, but I'm always like, I like to enjoy life. Like mm -hmm. I can't, I can't not like, yeah, I'm not going to miss out on, on that side of things. And I, and I think in certain scenarios, things get tapered, you know, 
like before I left for Pakistan, like I wasn't really drinking that much and was eating healthier, you, you, you know, like not, but honestly, before I went to Pakistan, I was trying to, I was like trying to gain weight. So I was like eating a lot, mm -hmm. eating a lot. Um, but when I was training for, for kryptonite and there, it was a little bit different of like eating lighter foods and eating healthy. Um, when I travel in the U S and I'm driving, I have like a portable Traeger, like a little smoker grill, um, that I bring with me where, and also another plug here is we're, we're giving one away. Oh, um, sick. For, it's like, uh, as part of this giveaway for the first month, uh, anybody who subscribes to my channel, um, is entered to win a free Traeger and some North Face and Sportiva gear. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so they're, they're pretty sweet. It's a little big and bulky, but it's like, you know, everybody's got like a goal zero battery and you plug it in and, you know, I'm cooking on the tailgate in my car, like smoking chickens or just grilling meat and stuff like that. Um, so I can still eat not just healthy, but eat kind of delicious food that I like. And then I don't know, I guess I just have the balance of some nights eating for sustaining energy. You know what I'm saying? Like just getting kind of the job done and then other nights for enjoyment mm. more. Yeah. You know, I think, I think this last winter on kryptonite was like a really tricky scenario because I was kind of by myself for a lot of it jonathan was there but i was staying in an apartment by myself and it was just kind of me and my dog and for those of you that don't know it's like a pretty big hike up so i would like kind of like eat, eating tons of like little small meals like i figured out at the end like i wasn't recovering that much so i like i started which i don't always do like drinking protein drinks like at the cliff before i walked home because mm. i'm normally like a fan of like whole foods like you don't need that many supplements. It's not about supplements. It's about just eating well. But the problem was with something like kryptonite is you have your last go. Maybe you give your partner a belay and then you hike down and it's like two hours until you're like yeah. cooking. Totally. So I started, you know, I started playing with, with that for more of like a performance nutrition standpoint. Um, but again, that, you know, those days were, it wasn't about like, you know, eating something fancy. It was kind mm -hmm. of about like, getting the job done getting get the job done so yeah. not i feel like i have the balance of both in in my life you know but yeah. I, I i can't always just get the job done with food like it's just too too good to enjoy <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense and we will be right back this episode is brought to you by Rumple. Fall is here. We're heading toward winter, and that means the temps are dropping, and it's time to get cozy. And nothing is cozier than bundling up with a puffy blanket from Rumple. I have three Rumple blankets, you guys. I'm not kidding. And because it's been cold in the van at night, I have been obsessed with the Sherpa Puffy Blanket. And maybe you're listening to this thinking, Stephen, that's great. I love that for you. I'm glad you like your cozy blanket, but I've got bills to pay. I've got other things to spend money on. I'm not going to buy myself a fancy blanket. Well, you're going to need gift ideas for the holidays. And right now is the perfect time to stock up on Rumple gear and grab your gifts for friends and loved ones for the holidays. Rumple's Not Home for the Holidays sale is live right now with 25% off almost everything on the site. 
Plus, they're doing a free gift with all qualifying orders from Black Friday through Cyber Monday. So give the gift of coziness this holiday season by shopping at Rumple. Go to rumple.com slash nugget and get 25% off almost everything on the site during their holiday sale. The sale is live right now and will go from November 14th to December 4th. So you still have time to grab your cozy gifts for the holidays. One more time, go to rumple.com slash nugget. No discount code needed. rumple.com slash nugget. This episode is brought to you by AG1. AG1 is one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. As you all know, because I talk about it a lot, I prioritize eating whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. But it can be really hard to get fresh produce and high-quality food when you live on the road or travel to remote climbing areas like I do. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 per day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash nugget. That's drinkag1.com slash nugget. Check it out. And now back to the show. Let's circle back to kryptonite in a minute, but I wanted to ask, what do you do when you travel internationally? Are, do you just yeah. kind of lean into the local culture and eat whatever they eat? Do you kind of have your staples that you still try to seek out? Are you trying to check any boxes? Are you just totally go with the flow? What does that look like? Because I've, I've found that hard. I'm probably more particular. I think I feel more affected by food than a lot of people I know. Like Ethan, for example, just seems to be able to I mean, he eats reasonably healthy, but in Rocklands, like he can kind of eat whatever, you know, and he's just lean yeah. and, and like recovering and crushing and all this stuff. And I feel like when I get off my way of eating, I really feel a difference and I don't feel as good. So um, I'm still learning how to do that. Yeah. For me, it really depends on where and what I'm, where I'm going. If I'm going to like somewhere um, like in Asia where I'm not going to be eating a lot of vegetables, like that's when I do think some supplements, like some green juice, like all the companies make it nowadays, like is really helpful to like get like your body going and get like that sort of nutrition. But that, and then if I'm traveling somewhere where I don't think I'll have like the right bars, like I'll bring, I'll travel with bars. Mm. Um, typically. Um, there's just certain bars that I'm really sick of now because I've eaten them a lot this summer. <laughs> but there's certain bars that I find like I digest well and work well for me that I'll often travel with. But besides that, I am pretty easy about like going with the flow of where where I'm at. I mm -hmm. would say um, I don't. Yeah, I, I I would say I bring with me like those staples, and then besides that, you know, depending on where I'm at, I could like kind of just go with whatever I like making sandwiches like for, for the crag. And that's something that you, you can, you can get those ingredients in most places like right. cheese sort of meat and yeah, some sort of bread. Uh, so I'm kind of used to eating that. So that's like a pretty easy thing 
for me to eat, you know, and mm-hmm. to find. Mm-hmm. What are your go-to bars? What are the ones that you prefer? Man, uh, I I can't even think about it now because we ate so many of them. <laughs> I, I, That's fair. I, I oddly like RX bars. I know a lot of people don't like them, but I just, I find that I can eat an RX bar and it doesn't like mess with my gut, which mm-hmm. is key. Yeah, pretty um, simple ingredients, yeah. Pro bars are pretty sweet. Uh, I, and I don't have a bar sponsor, so it's kind of like, kind of like the best bars to borrow that you haven't had <laughs> uh you know like so like when we went to pakistan like me and jesse just like went and bought like a bunch of random kinds of bars you know like from like honey stinger to rx to um spacing we even had we probably had some cliff bars in there and you know just like a different different whatever you can whatever yeah totally gotcha um Let's circle back to kryptonite and then I, yeah, we can, we can make our way to, to Pakistan and all that too. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you learned from that process. It's the hardest route you've ever done. So that's already very notable, like probably unique level of, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm projecting here, but a unique level of commitment or preparation or whatever. But then also I've been up there. I haven't spent a ton of time up there, but I went up there with Ethan once, um, when he was trying kryptonite with um, his buddy Simon, Maddie Hong and John Cardwell were up there. I think Maddie was trying Flex and John was trying his, you know, undone project thing. And um, it's gnarly. Like, it's really gnarly. And, you know, the hike is extreme. It gets, it, it's very logistically complicated. It's a winter yeah. crag because it gets blasted by the sun. You're trying to climb hard. It's freezing because you need it to be because you're in the sun a lot of the day. But, you know, too free. there's a fine line there, obviously. Like, you can't be numbing out and stuff. I think in the video that you posted with Louder Than Eleven, there's, like, icicles hanging from, like, all over the cliff and stuff. Um, I'm like, this is kind of a perfect sport prod for, for Matt Siegel. Like, I'm imagining you're drawing on all these years of, you know, climbing in the bugaboos and all these other adventure things that you've done. But was it different, challenging? Like, did you learn new things from the process on kryptonite i think i mean like what we talked about before with like the protein before like recovery wise i think that was like a big a big lesson for sure um i think for me the whole process was kind of funny because i like tried that route when i was like 18 years old right when i moved to colorado with like adam stack shortly after tommy had done it and was like all oh, this thing's cool and just kind of eventually like steered into trad climbing and kind of like walked away from sport climbing. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know that there was any like super specific lessons of like, it's honestly a lot of like relearning old things mm. of like, what it's like to sport climb at a high level again. Cause it's like the focus on that like it was a stressful scenario for me and like my partner for sure like i was staying out there in newcastle i'd come home occasionally uh and then would just want to train you know like keep focused training the gym um it kind of learned like how like a lot of that hard climbing at your limit like there's a lot of luck that comes into play Mm. with like and like kind of right place right day and a place like that partners like not having a committed partner makes it kind of impossible 
Yeah, there's a couple times where I struggled with partnership. Seagrass was out there for the first little bit and I got really close and then I got COVID mm. um, and it kind of set me back for like a really long time. And then the snow came and it was like really snowy up there. Like I was like breaking trail in like almost waist deep snow a couple of days. And I think taking a step back, like I wanted to climb 9A, 14D and I wanted... I didn't want it to be in rifle. <laughs> like I wanted to try to climb my hardest sport route and I didn't want it to be car side. I, I like that adventure aspect of it, of it being like a little bit more challenging. You know, even the climbing itself is challenging, but the whole process, like mm. I kind of, I kind of do better with that. I would say than just the like roll out of bed, get out of the car and like start climbing. Yeah. Have, like, a little bit more engaging of a of a process, I would say. Yeah, I, I really connect with that. I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but, um, you know, like one of my, I've talked about this a lot on the show, so sorry for people that are hearing this over and over again, but um, one of my proudest boulder ascents is e Eternia and Upper Chaos. And it's mm -hmm. got that similar kind of characteristic of like, it's a a lot of effort to get up there. It's a long yeah, yeah. hike. You got to yeah, shuffle I pads. A long time ago, but nice. I did it. <laughs> <Sick>. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. But, but yeah, like yeah. it was, it was a lot easier to, yeah, to your point, it was a lot easier for me to just enjoy the process of that one because no matter what I was hiking, I was getting into the mountains. I was spending time yeah. in this beautiful place up there and feeling like I'd kind of done something badass, even if I got my ass kicked that day, you know? Yeah, you feel like you did something just getting getting to the base. And I, I think that was also, like, with conditions on kryptonite, is like, was really challenging, too, because you'd, like, always kind of feel like you did something once you got up there. And then there were so many days where I would, like, one hang, or honestly, so many days that I wouldn't even try to one hang or do anything like that, because I knew the conditions weren't there, mm. but I'd still climb on the route. Um, and I think that kind of lesson of like, I, yes, it's determination, but it's also like kind of just like beating the dead horse of like, dude, you're up here. You got to fucking go climb some moves. Like, no, you're not going to send today. It's too cold for you or too hot for you. But like, you're here, like you got to put in the work, you know, like the day I did it, it felt like piss, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because like, the weather was so bad. I had so many bad weather days on it. I was just dialing the moves and dialing the moves and for the like lucky day mm. to happen. Um, the day I did, I honestly, the day that I sent, I knew it was a perfect day, but I didn't think I was going to send. Like mm. we had some like, epic drama there that caused it to be quite the challenging day, but get into it. Do you, do you want, yeah. Do you want to get into that? So we, uh, my girlfriend, fiance now at the time, came out to climb and she hated the fortress just cause it's like, it's kind of a shitty cliff. Like, you know, like kryptonite is really the only like dope route up there really. And there's like one twelve C that's metropolis. That's really good. And I did just see Nick Milburn sent uh, flex today, actually. Or oh, sick. Nice. Um, but you know, it's not the most fun. It's not a fun climbing cliff. Like mm -hmm. I'd even, Allie doesn't really like climbing in the cold and, and it's like kind of scary up there too. Like even like my first time climbing up there, like you said, it's like really intense. You're like on this cliff side, you're out there. It's like, there's definitely some choss. And um, we warmed up and we were with our, uh, my, our good friends, Adam and Karen Peters. I don't know if you know those guys, but they now live in the area. And 
Allie does the 12 seed. It goes good. She's like, okay, I'm going to try this like 13A. And it's like literally a 13A that I do every day. It's like part of my like warm up circuit kind of scenario. And everybody does it. And like everybody, you know, like climbs it the same way. There's like a path through the choss. And it's like, <laughs> it's just like, it's what you do. And she's up there literally. And it's like 40 feet to the first bowl, like 35 feet to the first bowl. And she's like on the clipping hole that like everybody clips from the first bowl and the whole freaking jug falls off and literally like slacks smacks a ledge and then hits the ground and like i like kind of catch her a little bit but it's like got the wind knocked out of her she's all banged up and i'm just like oh fuck like at first i'm like oh my god are you like like it was since crazy high like i'd never like you know seen and i think there's a couple things that like were in her favor like she hit this little ledge and her shirt and pants like cling to the sharp limestone and slowed her down before. Mm. And I probably slowed her down a little bit. Um, and she was, she was banged up for a while. She's like, you know, we called Karen and Adam over there and Karen's a, a PA. So she, you know, I like, and my girlfriend's a nurse practitioner. So she's like, you know, in the medical world, I'm like, okay, like, let's like get your harness off. Can you feel your toes? Can you move, you know, like do like all the assessments and, She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. She's like, I don't think I can walk down right now. Give me some ibuprofen and you should try. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like super rattled. Like, you Dude. know, it's, this is like, it's really intense. Like, I don't feel like I'm giving it enough justice. And like, yeah, if you're, if you've been to the fortress, I mean, a lot of people that climb up there regularly know this story because they know the hold is missing. It's on this like, cl- like classic things called phone booth. And it's just like, massive like i told this story to somebody and they went back up there and they're like whoa she fell from there mm. that's great i'm like yeah it was it was nuts you know and and it was it wasn't it wasn't anybody's like it could have been me like totally you. It, like it wasn't like a oh she was doing something different or wrong or off route or a- anything like that it was like purely just like bad luck freeze thaw mm. chossy rock high bolts like just like you know a shitty shitty scenario um and then i had this thought i was like well if i can't do this route now i'm definitely she's definitely not coming back up here like <laughs> this is over this is the end of the season and and then it was this weird like adam came and belayed me and i'm like adam like this is do you think i should try this like he's like dude you totally should try this like she's gonna be fine like mm. nothing's broken she's really banged up and then i did it and i was like you know it was like it was a rugged drive home because she was in a lot of pain and I was super excited. And I was like, <laughs> you, you know, like, yeah, I what a weird mix of feelings. Like, I can't hear about this. So I was like, I can't believe I did it. She's like, I heard so bad. Like, yeah. And, and it was, it was like, you know, um, it was definitely one of the craziest scenarios I've ever had where like a partner, like not just climbing partner, but like romantic partner, like gets like thrown into like a really dangerous scenario mm. and almost hurt it's like definitely definitely really intense yeah yeah how did you get her down was she eventually able to walk down um yeah she took a bunch of ibuprofen and then i carried all of the stuff and it took us like two and a half hours to get down basically Mm. yeah she didn't like nothing like broke or sprained or anything like that but she was like she still has like scar like a little bit of like broken skin but she was really badly bruised Mm. like really really bad like her whole one side was like really banged up yeah 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 damn so (laughs) 
Fortress is like no joke in all the ways. It's yeah. Kind of real up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad she's okay. Mm. Um, I, I want to hear more about the ramp up to doing that route. So you're, you're 39 now. Is that right? Yep. This year has been the best year of your climbing. You already kind of touched on it. Like you got injured in 2017 and then, you know, from there until we talked in 2020, you're just kind of getting back to your baseline. What did it take to climb the hardest route you've ever done? I mean, have you had to change? Cause yeah, we, we talk about this a lot, right? Like you get older, you have to rest more, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone has their big lessons that they've learned. They just can't get away with the stupid stuff they did in their twenties. Um, that takes a lot of different, you know, shapes, but did you have to change your climbing to be able to do something this difficult? I think for me, like I love, I do love training, but I'm not like super, super duper scientific about most of the training that I do. I would say I had a winter and I'm starting to learn of like, okay, now I want to climb something hard again. Like, how do I do what I basically did for kryptonite? And it, honestly, it's like thinking like, <laughs> like a year, year, year and a half, two years out mm. type of scenario. Um, and I think that's kind of how I was able to do that route. So like the winter before I had like a heavy training program of like power bouldering and, uh, campusing and hangboarding and doing like all of one the things that one would do like as a boulder basically. Um, though I, I wasn't really bouldering outside cause, uh, my back still at that time was not like still even now, like just bouldering outside. Um, it scares me. Like I don't mm. want to like hurt my back again. Um, and then I would get, I gave myself like sub like mini goals, like mini red point projects basically, um, after the winter. So like one in early spring and then one in like early summer, mm. basically, um, and in between those, I like mostly trained in the gym, I would say. And I guess one in early summer and one in late summer and then started kryptonite in the fall. So like for me, what that looked like, that was like a winter inside, uh, a trip to St. George in like the early spring. I did uh, Golden, which is mm. like a super, uh, I think 14A or B. Yeah, I think um, B. Yeah, that classic thing at the cathedral. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Like nothing like remotely close to like how hard kryptonite is, but then like, you know, but you're still like practicing those like red point muscles and those, those skills and went to say use after that, tried another 14 B that I didn't do, um, which is a bummer. Cause I fell at the top of it like years and years ago with Ethan. I was like really hoping to do that. And then was in rifle, you know, and climb some things in rifle, but, uh, it's more of like that, like looking at, I, I can't just be like, oh, I want to send this project two months before the project start training. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, like for me, it's like, okay, like next summer, like I have some goals, like I kind of need to start working on them now, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, how to stay motivated is to like set like little mini sub goals of like things that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's obviously really smart, but um, there's some really good reminders in there. I think for all of us, uh, some of them are speaking really strongly to me. Like I, I think a lot of us do this as climbers. We like, we think that we should just always be rad and either trying something hard, sending something hard or yeah. training really hard. And I really like how you um, seem to approach your climbing and your, your life in seasons. 
Like I'm going to buckle down and then I'm going to relax. I'm going to cook good food, enjoy life, still climb, but, you know, kind of do your thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, we just can't be on all the time. So I think I think that's a cool reminder. And then also, it's cool to hear that those 14 Bs helped prepare you for something this much harder. Like you didn't need to climb, you know, several 14 Bs and then a couple 14 Cs and then do kryptonite. It was just really getting those kind of red pointing muscles back, um, getting that momentum. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I think I think that's kind of like, you know, like, I think it's different for everybody. I think when you're younger, it's like really important to build that pyramid and like climb a bunch of like grades and building up to things. But I think when you're training for something, I think it's important to have like the quick successes so you can enter the scenario with like confidence, mm -hmm. I think is like a big piece of it. Um, yeah, like to not having climbed ascent to 14a in a year and to go try 14d you could be strong enough to do the 14d but you need those like know what it's like to like push through those like moments where uh on route where you want to give up or you're not sure how much more to try type mm. scenario yeah i liked that you had a try hard written on one of the dog bones on oh yeah that was jonathan nice that was jonathan yeah 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 or i think or it was on my no it was on my chalk bag belt Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like uh, he's he made some chalk bag belts that say "Try Hard" on them. Nice. Yeah, I dig that. Always a good reminder. That's kind of yeah. yeah. That's like that's like Jonathan's brand. Yeah, and honestly, that's I guess now you kind of reminded me like what I really learned on trying kryptonite, and it really was that you just kind of have to give it all. Like, like every go, you need to like you might not send, but you need to try really hard every time. Mm. You know, that's really what I kind of took away from my time with him is that like, you know, it's like, you're not going to make progress unless you're like freaking trying hard, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So it's, even if you know, you're not ready to send, you still need to try hard because mm -hmm. that's how you're going to like push through and make those like small gains. Totally. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think one of the like longest lessons or the deepest lessons um, or the hardest lessons to learn with sport climbing is that like it's really hard to try your hardest and not even be remotely close and believe that you can still do it. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying your ass off to two hang it and it's a super resistant route, you're like, well, goddamn, like I just went to the death and two hung it. And it's it's just like it's almost like evidence that I'm not going to be able to do it. But but that type of like you're saying, that level of tryhard is the key to starting to get those fitness adaptations to be able to kind of connect the next piece and and build yeah. towards actually doing it. And that's like where you kind of have to like trust the process a little bit, mm -hmm. really. Um, but because I always had a hard time with that, I was like, oh, like I never, I I just want, I'm going to take because I never want to fall on this move because I don't want it in my mind that I could fall on this move. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like a mental like. It's very different for like dangerous dry climbing, like head pointing, like you wouldn't, you, you always leave some in the tank. Mm. Yeah, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? But with sport climbing, it's like, it's safe. So you have like, you have the ability to fall wherever. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like mentally and physically. So it's like, you might as well just be pushing it, like kind of redlining it as much as you can. Cause that's how you're going to get stronger for that project and the next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense for you that you would kind of have to, 
take some time to kind of relearn that. Like if you're switching between those two things, I imagine it's it'd be really hard to do both of those at a high level at the same time, like hard I head think, pointing and hard sport climbing. Yeah, and I haven't done that in a long time, the hard head pointing. Yeah. Uh, uh, those days might be might be done done for me. I am really psyched to get back into like climbing some hard trad routes this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're, they're not going to be like the super head pointy ones for mm-hmm. sure. I think my tolerance for risk after my accident is like a little bit more uh, tame than it used to be. But fortunately, there's a shit ton of 14 C's and a couple, maybe 14 D trad routes nowadays that like have good gear and you take mm-hmm. big falls, but like you're not going to like hit the ground or anything. Which is yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That. When you say there's a lot of them, I mean, it's hard for me to think of very many. Is that like on a global scale? On a global scale, yeah. 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 Gotcha. You know, there's, 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 a, there's a bunch, I would mm-hmm. say, nowadays. I think I'm, I've been really intrigued by this, this zone in Norway, the profile wall, um, or Pete Whitaker just put up a route. And yeah. um, Nico Fares has his recovery drink and yeah. just looks like thick granite, like super steep crack climbing. Yeah. So Hell and yeah. there's always meltdown uh in the Yosemite stuff, which Babsy I think just did that yesterday too. Oh big, sick. Big ending <laughs> looked like. Yeah. It's cool. Hell yeah. And yesterday was a gravity day. Should have <laughs> should have been climbing. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I was inside editing a podcast, but you can't capitalize on all of them, you know? No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. What inspired you to go to Pakistan. It sounds like something that's been on your radar and kind of like a wish list trip for a very long time. Yeah, it's been it's been a thing for oof, over 15 years. Um old friend, mentor of mine, Mike Dash, kind of like put the idea in my head and uh we had plans to go together, but he died uh in the mountains and then I kind of tried to go again in 2000 when Osama was killed um, and decided not to go because it didn't seem safe. And then uh, after that, I kind of just got sidetracked in the Bugaboos and the Wind River Range and all these other things, summer alpine rock climbing objectives. And the uh, there was always a picture of the topo on my mantle <laughs> uh, at my house, like always, like, yeah, of the this route, the Cowboy Direct, which is the old Todd mm. Skinner route. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, two years ago, I kind of, <clears throat> man, I should go back and listen to that podcast that we did. I'd be curious because where I was at and where I thought I was heading and where I ended up um, could be interesting. I don't, I, don't, I wonder. Um, but two years ago from now, I, I kind of made it like a goal to like try to have the biggest year yet. I felt like I was ready to like um, kind of push through the status quo. And and one of them was kryptonite, which we just talked about. And the other one was Pakistan, just this dream trip that I'd wanted to do for, you know, forever. And uh, it, it's one of those things that the actual push of climbing the route was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Hmm. But what it takes to like make the trip happen was like so much more effort than like anything you know what i'm saying like it was like a lot of preparing a lot of logistics um a lot of like finding the right partners and like all of this stuff um so yeah we kind of jesse huey who's one of my really good friends and close climbing partners 
was the first kind of really on the team in some ways. And then Jordan Cannon ended up joining along with us. We wanted to be three for like safety kind mm. of reasons. Safety and, and it's just such a big freaking endeavor to climb. I mean, for those of you that don't know, Nameless Tower is like, if you would imagine like an L cap size wall put at 6,000 meters with like a little bit of snow and ice to the summit, but it's mostly like hard splitter rock climbing just at altitude, um, which is pretty hard as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a reason why, like we did the second sand of the route, you know, wow. and there, there's a reason why, <laughs> why, like, it's like, you know, a lot of love went to the eternal flame the last couple of years. It's seen a couple of cents now, which is just like around the corner from our route. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always one of those things where I like saw my places, a place that I saw my climbing go, uh, is these like big rock expeditions. But I think maybe my accident kind of like postponed that in some ways, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like, uh, not being fit enough to go. And then the pandemic and like, you know, like all, before you know it, like in some ways that's like four or five years of like not being ready for something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, it really was like two years ago. I was like, I'm going to be ready in two years, <laughs> like mm -hmm. type of scenario, you know? And, uh, and yeah, we went and we made it happen and it was, it was, it was a wild, wild experience. Mm. Yeah. You know, we, we did as good as, as good as, as good as we could have, you know, there's, there was like one pitch that we didn't really get done. Um, cause it was like super soaking wet. Mm. Um, that was like kind of like the last like more vertical pitch before it turns into like mountain terrain um but uh yeah it's was, it was pretty pretty insane and we will be right back this episode is brought to you by wonderful pistachios you guys know that i mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition right i've talked about that a lot but i always need good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff i like to bring a whole meal as well but you know you don't want to have a bag full of tupperware and things like that pistachios are known for their protein power fiber, and better-for-you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they are so convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted. That one is my favorite. It's super basic, but I love it. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good. You literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family and friends or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the climbing gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. And now back to the show. It looks insane, man. I, I think the most burning questions for me are just around like, what the hell is that like? I, you know, there's, there's so I talked to so many people on the show. Many of them do things that are outside of my uh, wheelhouse and climbing, you know, anything that gets into alpinism is, is definitely outside of my wheelhouse. Um, but I can usually kind of like get my head around it, you know, like I've had enough experiences in the mountains or trad climbing or whatever that I can kind of like 
get a sense of what they're doing or what it might feel like to be doing what they're doing. And then this, you know, to fill in more context for people, the crux pitch, you're climbing 513 at 19,000 feet. I'm just like, what the fuck does that feel like? Is that right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, I guess, a, it's hard. It feels hard. The uh, for our route, I I I think we all thought the five thirteen pitch was was difficult, but the five twelve pitches felt almost harder. Mm. Like in weird ways, like the endurance, like getting your heart rate up. Like I had a moment where I thought like my heart was going to explode. You know, like I was just like <laughs> so like kind of pumped, but more just like physically chest pumped. Um, chest pumped. But it's, it's a lot of logistics really to like get yourself into the position where you can actually try hard. And I Mm. think that's something that like most people don't realize and don't think about, but Mm -hmm. it's like the amount of days that we had, like just prepping, like to get our food up there, to get our sleeping shit up there. Like it's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like from base camp to like our advanced camp, was like a big ass hike up a dangerous gully and then it's like a little bit farther to the wall and then you have to haul pitches so like we like pre-hauled to like this ledge where we based out from a certain amount of time and you know it's like all of the the pre-strategy is is really what makes it what made it possible and, mm. and i think that's part of the reason why our team of three was successful in that way and yeah you kind of like you kind of have to do the work before Mm. you know it's like to make it like physically and mentally possible to like try that art at that altitude mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like you did it kind of don wall style like you had like a base camp in the middle of the wall sort of thing yeah we we had a base camp at the middle of the wall and then when we were ready which was like after the crux pitch uh we pushed to another hanging camp okay uh which was a little higher and then um an th- interesting thing is like we and we were fixing like a little bit of lines basically for the most part. Like, and then we, oof, yeah, we were prepared to spend as much time as we did up there. Basically we, on our send, we spent like 12 days on the wall. Wow. Um, Crazy. And we kind of knew we were going to have to do that because we didn't have like a splitter weather forecast. Like it snowed up. There's only three out of those 12 days that were like full climbing days. Mm. Uh, the day that we climbed to Sun Terrace, which is like the first camp. Um, the day that I sent the crux pitch, which is like four pitches off of Sun Terrace to the hanging camp. And then our summit day. And every other day it snowed on us and we were like climb a pitch or two pitches and bail wow. back to like our respected camp. Yeah. Yeah. And this wall is the size of El Cap. It's 30 pitches, 35 pitches, something insane like yeah, that. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, Are you... a lot go ahead you like like go into the story and with like you could ask whatever questions but me jesse and jordan did did an enormous cast that's going to be coming out okay soon we're like dove into like the real nitty-gritty of like the scenario up there yeah with all three of you that's awesome with all three of us yeah yeah we love we that had this, we wanted to do it all together so we did two we did one and there's or there's there's like we did two podcasts the three of us one was the aac one um, I can't remember what it's called, like a hard line or something like that. And that like is kind of cool, but basic talking about like the pitches and stuff like that. And then, you know, Chris Kalous with the Enormacast, like we dive into like the emotions and like all that. It's mm. pretty cool. 
It was okay. good to do that. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Did you, um, did you prep like, obviously you prepped the route as far as like supplies and all of that. Um, did you have to clean it? Are you like working pitches and kind of getting things dialed before going for a push or was it just like, okay. Some of them, yeah. Some pitches had to get like a little bit scrubbed, but not really. It's pretty clean up there. It's like nice. So high. Um, nothing, not gross. Really, yeah. <laughs> nothing gross. Yeah. Nothing gross. And then we, yeah, some pitches had to get worked for sure. Some pitches when we got to them, they were wet. So we couldn't send them. So we'd get their line up. That's kind of how we were able to come back with some photos and stuff, just mm. mostly iPhone photos, but one person could jug up and shoot some photos type of scenario, which, which was fun and cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like really just the 13 minus pitch, we all had to like kind of suss that on like micro traction basically. And then uh, there's like a couple other ones that had to get like ticked and stuff like that. And just a little, little brushing, but mm -hmm. for the most part it's pretty clean. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And what does it feel like um, physically to be up there? What is the weather like? I mean, you're able to rock climb, so you're, you know, bare hands and climbing shoes. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cold for sure. There are days that you're definitely numbing out, definitely. But um, it's not as windy as other places, which is nice. Um, it's really, yeah, really, it's almost like, you never feel great <laughs> yeah. and you just kind of got to be okay with that. Uh -huh. Like you kind of always feel a little shitty, uh -huh. you know, and some days are worse than others. Like first day up at whatever said camp typically is the worst, you know, and you like sleep higher, but you're not like sleeping super well. It's not like, you know, not manicured, like climbing a sport project. It's right. like definitely an element of suffering of like, kind of pushing through and and not feeling your best and just being okay with that and being like, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, being w a little wet, a little cold and a little sleep deprived, very hungry, you know, yeah. like, and just like kind of going with it. Like we, I lost like 15 pounds. I think <laughs> Jesse lost like 23. Holy Jordan shit. lost like 20. Wow. Yeah. We kind of ran out of food and, um, yeah, but you know, it's like I, I don't know. It's like one of those scenarios that you kind of just accept your fate, and this is going to be, this is going to be hard, but it'll be it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Did, was know. it? Did it feel that way for you? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, since I've been home, I've been so unmotivated. I've like been going to all these like rad climbing areas. Like I was in Romney. I was in the, the New River Gorge for a week. I was in Kentucky. I was in freaking Sardinia. I was in Chattanooga. Like. And all these epic crags and I'm even still, I'm just like, Ugh. like <laughs> I took it all out of me. And I like, mm. you know, I'm actually like just starting to like get a little bit more fired up to, uh, to start training in the gym. I want to do like a big, like a couple month training cycle, I think. Um, cool. but it's hard after a trip like that, you kind of like burn the candles at both ends, so to say, and or whatever that saying is, and you like, you max out, you know, like your adrenal is like shot, you know, I came home and was just couldn't do anything. And mm. you just like so deep. And, and for me, it was just so much more of like this weird emotional thing of like wanting this to be done with Micah and not, you know, and like having this like on the back burner for so long that mm. uh, when you, you finally do it, you're kind of like, it's like, well, now what, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm not, I don't know, you know, like, I think for right now, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to like, did the hard sport kind, the hard alpine climb, like 
let's like have a year and try to focus on hard track climbing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the plan. And, cool. and honestly, the hard, the hard track climbing kind of comes with the fun factor of hard sport climbing too, because mm-hmm. it's like pretty easy to, to do both. Um, and to You're choosing things that are safe, but hard. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. And, and Pakistan was pretty safe. There's a couple of like moments that were pretty dangerous for sure. But for the most part, it's like a pretty safe objective. And I think, you know, in the future going to the mountains, I think that's going to be like a big priority of like, not trying to like put myself in mm. a super dangerous mountain scenario, but I'm still climbing the mountains. I, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to have this like super high risk tolerance to like be able to do cool things in the mountains. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that and makes sense. Time, people like some stuff you do for sure, but not, I don't think everything. So, right. It's all about what you choose, what objectives you choose, um, the preparation, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, there was a point in my climbing with like single pitch stuff where I like chose out, chose the most dangerous lines, but like they're not, you don't have to, you know, like there's like even Ethan's um, Blackbeard's Tears is like a pretty fairly safe, you know, 14C track mm-hmm. route. You know, there's like, um, there, there are routes like that that are like, I think you have, you have to have your wits about yet, but they're not like death routes mm-hmm. <laughs> and same with the mountains, you know, like there's, there, it's not all like horrific hazard. You know? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you feel like this trip, um, to Pakistan was something that you needed to do? Was there like an element of closure that needed to happen with Micah? You you and I talked in our first conversation about Micah Dash and Johnny Cop as two of your mentors. And we didn't talk about um, them passing away in too much detail or how it affected you beyond that. But, um, but I am curious about that. They died in 2009, I believe. And so it's been a long time. It's been almost 15 years. Um, of course, they're still deeply missed. Um, and you had this plan with him. Like, did this feel like a final... Or 100%. a final thing or like a yeah. closing thing that needed to happen? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. It totally, it did for sure. Yeah, I mean, to the point of like, I was able to like, I had a piton from his rack that I like sobbingly like hammered in close to the summit. And it just, it felt like the end of a, of like a, a, a large chapter in some ways that was like kind of always left open. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in, a, in a way for me and also like, like for him too like in the sense of like it was his his dream too you know what i'm saying like it's kind of both of ours um so to like kind of see it through it was was definitely like yeah it was pretty it was much more emotional of a climb and like summit than i like had anticipated i guess mm. um kind of like blanking on some like words to like really explain but i, I definitely did feel like like i had to do this like I had to see it through. Yeah. I mean, I'm imagining, you, you know, you're, you're knowing that you're going there for this, for this reason, but um, it's just an, an idea, right? Like it's an idea in your head and you remember that it was Micah's dream too. And um, I imagine like it just hits you in this very different way when you're up there holding his piton, like I'm fucking here, like, holy oh, shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Just like, yeah who knows all the things just come back up in that moment yeah and it was also just one of those things that like about him and then personally like literally like for 15 years i had a topo you know like in my house you you know like on the wall you know like all sorts of 
things were like nameless, like all sorts of passwords and internet things were like nameless, mm. you know, like <laughs> or like for like the last 15 years, you know, like it mm. wasn't like, but it was also something that was like, I don't, yeah, a part of me was like, are you actually going to do it? <laughs> you mm -hmm, know, like, sure. like I had this, like, like, are you just going to, is it just going to be like that dream that like, is like so unattainable. And I had this moment kind of when we got there and we first saw it, I was like, sick, I did it. <laughs> you know, like, like I got here, like I got here. Like that was like, like job done, you, you know? And I like, yeah. I like mentioned it to Jesse and Jesse was like, bro, we just got started. Like, we haven't started yet. And I was like, I don't know, man. It feels like, feels good to me, you know? Like, uh, and, and, you know, it's just like, I needed to try like the reality of like having success did it wasn't really there. It was less about like a summit more about like kind of giving it the effort, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's cool. It, so it sounds like the way you're talking about it, it sounds like, for you, this was 100% success. You know, something I didn't realize for a long time in climbing because I don't climb in Yosemite. I don't like climb in the mountains very much. I didn't have a sense of like the extent to which asterisks with this type of stuff is totally normal and, and like always yeah. part of the game. You have that soaking wet pitch. Like it probably wasn't, I don't know. It sounds like it's, it wasn't a super hard thing and you just couldn't climb it because it was fucking wet and yeah. you climb the rest of it. It is a bummer. Like it bums me out that we haven't like a, like a large asterisk. I mean, Jordan Topper a bit, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You, you know, I, I think at that point, like I'm okay with the asterisks of, of the, of what we, what we did. Yeah. Um, it's always, you're always going to have some regrets about certain things, you know, like I wish I would have just dry tooled it because I think it would have been really pissed with mountain tools <laughs> and that's literally the pitches above that you use mountain tools so it's mm. like it wasn't um it wouldn't have been would have been like m7 or something which i'm sure you're like what <laughs> yeah totally um but it wouldn't have been that bad uh -huh. um, but you know it, it it is what it is and 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 i think the the effort that the three of us gave and like the bond we like came home with is like i don't really care what mm. other people say or whatever you know it's like it was it was pretty special like special like friendship formed and special like level of try hard that I don't think any of us had ever like really tapped into. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, losing 20 pounds, how long were you there total? We were in Pakistan for like six weeks. Losing 20 pounds in six weeks. Just thinking about what you would have to go through. It's a lot of water weight. Like you, you like put it on pretty quickly, I guess. Like I put on like 10 of my 15 pretty fast, like probably in like three days. But you have to think we weren't eating. Mm -hmm. So you're not drinking as much. So like, it's like a lot of like dehydration. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm, you know, I, I think after like two months, I was like back to like my normal, mm -hmm. but it was kind of funny because I was like, I tried so hard to lose like two pounds to send kryptonite. To like, <laughs> literally, like I tried so hard to lose two pounds. And then I sent kryptonite and I weighed like what I was weighing. It was like 138, you know? And I was like, I'm going to gain, I want to gain like six pounds, you know? Like I wanted to go to Pakistan weighing 145. And there was like, no way. I like put on like, I struggled so hard to put on like three pounds. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to lose weight and I didn't want to show up like scrawny, you know? Like, so I tried so hard. I was like literally eating two dinners a night. <laughs> like I would eat something. Tough gainer. 
uh, yeah, and but a tough lose. It's just like I, I like honestly like my I'm like 140, and like you're just to get anywhere to get anywhere. Like I think when I went to Pakistan, I got up to like 142 or 143. When I sent Krypton, I was like 138, and I'm not like a calorie counter. I'm not like like you obviously. We just spent like 20 minutes talking about food. Like I don't really care, but like in certain scenarios, like it's hard to, it, you know, like you, a you want to put weight on because you know you're going to lose it, and b you know that like you know losing two pounds to climb a sport route is actually like in a healthy way, like going to help you. Like not trying to like get down to 125, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I think just like the healthy like balance of it all. I, I don't really like going into like that because it's really not something that i i think about in my day-to-day a lot you know but it's something that i did like try to pay attention to throughout this year with two very different objectives you know one, yeah one wanting to be really thin <laughs> one wanting to like bulk up and both were really hard <laughs> it's also yeah it's just it's also just so funny that you know you're training and trying really hard and trying kryptonite and, and like struggling to lose two pounds and then you go on the six-week expedition and you lose 15 just like no, no, boom really. yeah, but you're, you're <laughs> so weak extreme shit, right you know? right like, right that's not the strategy but <laughs> not the strategy yeah i mean yeah for me that's definitely not you know the strategy is like to be as even you know as as possible and i think god yeah. so you were down to like 130 somewhere around there below that 120 mm-hmm. something yeah like Fucking right a, in the man. Crazy. I mean, that's what I used to weigh when I was a kid, you know, but how tall are you? Five seven. Okay. Short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny, like there's some photos of all three of us like with our shirts off, and like Jesse and Jordan like look like ripped, and I just look like an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> Emaciated, like damn it. Looks like- Bastards. like no muscles just like i just lost all my muscles your body just ate all of your muscles yeah went away yeah uh, it's pretty funny yeah mm. um i got a, a listener question for you from connor connor wanted to hear if you could um share any cool micah dash stories so we've just talked about micah and uh, again, you know, you you talked about him as a mentor in our first conversation, but yeah, we didn't really get into any favorite stories or fun stories or anything. Um, I, got, I got one for you. Yeah, that'd funny. be awesome. I'd love to hear. Um, so in 2000 and maybe six or seven, I think, I graduated college and, um, you know, Michael was like, you got to go to Yosemite Valley. You graduated college, it's time. <laughs> So, and I'd been to the Valley before, but we went and tried to do the, to, we went and did the, the free rider and Mike and I always joke that we got the first Jewish free ascent of El Cap, <laughs> the FJFA, <laughs> um, which is just a funny side note, but we're, we, Micah is something that he really wanted to do. Um, and I was like, obviously wanted to try, it was sick. Um, and we were going to do it wall style, like five days and, um, we get up there and we're like basically sending past the boulder problem at like the corners. I don't know if you're familiar with that route. And Mike is up there. It's his lead. And he's like getting all, he's getting all pumped. And, you know, he's like trying to onside. It's like five twelve pitch or something. And it gets really run out. And he's just, I'm like, you got to do like, come on, like, you know, like doing your whole thing. And he looks down at me and he's like, I'm going to fall. And he's like, literally like staring at the anchor. Like he's like equal distance to the anchor and he's pretty fucking run out. He's like, Matt, I'm going to fall. 
I'm like, no, dude, you got it. You're like right there. He's like, no, he's like, am I going to be okay? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me if you're going to be okay? You know, it's just this weird. Like, I think he was just like in panic mode and like, didn't want to fall, but like, was, uh, it was just a really funny moment. And he asked me if he was going to be okay. Right. Before he took this like massive 30 foot whipper, it was totally <laughs> fine. It's like, uh, it was kind of a funny, funny, funny moment. I love it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That, that's, that's what I got. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Well, so cool to hear about, um, <clears throat> about Pakistan and closing that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, where are you at with, uh, Alpine start anything new or anything you want to talk about on the business side of things? We can kind of start wrapping up. I've got some, uh, yeah. some fun questions from Ethan Pringle that we can talk about. I think we're going to do that for patrons, but, uh, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, Alpine starts doing good. We're trudging along. We the pandemic kind of slowed us down a little bit. Um, but we're still going. I think I don't know what products we launched since the last time we just launched uh, a whole bean coffee called the Overstoker, which is like a medium dark roast. That's pretty good. You can get that online. Um, and then we're launching some new stuff this year that'll be exciting. So keep an eye out for that. I don't I don't know if I'm allowed to say what we're launching yet, but keep an eye. We're, we're, we're launching some new products. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I'm, it's, I'm exciting. Uh, Andrea CK, who's, uh, kind of helped run the show here a lot. Uh, she's actually on a bouldering trip right now in Switzerland. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're good. Life is good. Cruising along. I, um, that this is a good reminder because I still haven't circled back and tried your matcha, you still make the matcha, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I wasn't sure if we had launched the matcha when, when we did our last. I think it yeah. was either brand new or it was about to come out. We definitely talked about it. You were all fired up on it. And, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, it sounds good. I know people like that. I'd never really tried it. I was a coffee drinker. And um, right now I'm on this weird diet. I'm like trying to figure out an autoimmune thing. So I just can't have like anything. So I can't have coffee, which is tragic. And, um, but I think I can have matcha. So yeah, yeah it's time to it. time we... to circle back around. Yeah, we're actually, one of the products we are launching is going to be like the matcha in like sticks. Nice. So serve, a little Hell yeah. Travel, that stuff. So very cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we start wrapping up here that we haven't touched on? I don't think Same. so. We kind of did a full circle there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, what else? I guess this is going to come out. Check out the YouTube. Tommy Caldwell one will be fun. Um, I'll be in Bishop. Uh, for the Kraken Classic. Nice. Fun couple weeks, which will be cool. And then uh, for all the Canadian folks out there, me, Jesse, and Jordan are going to give a presentation on Pakistan uh, mid-November at the Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival. Oh, and sweet. Since nobody was there shooting us, that's something that to look for next year is we're, we're going to try to do a bunch of slideshow presentations kind of all over the U.S., it's perfectly Todd Skinner of you. That's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Old school style. Yeah. yeah. When did they do the first ascent? Like 1996 or something. 95 yeah. or 96. Yeah. Holy shit. Incredible. I think it was 95 and they were on the cover of Nat Geo in 96. National wow. Geographic. So, yeah. Crazy. Almost 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Rad. Well, I've got some. Uh, I've got a new wrap-up question. I uh, I probably asked you about gratitude last time because that was my go-to at the time, and I still love that question. But what is something you wish people spent more time thinking about? I like to I like to hear my guests' thoughts on that. It could be anything: climbing, life, cooking. More time thinking about. Uh, I don't know. Not doing, just thinking about. Or, yeah, you take it in whatever direction you feel pulled. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, just stay on the topic of like the enjoyment of food and what that means. Because mm. uh, part of it is like this side of, yes, this tastes good, but it's also like the biggest piece of food and and eating and cooking is like kind of breaking bread and like sitting around a table and like enjoying it with other people. Mm. That's really connection and community. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about like how things taste a lot, but there, it's really like, it's all about like who you're doing it with. Mm. Yeah. And Love I would that. say the same for, you know, for like a trip like Pakistan too, like it was cool. We did something, but it really was all about like the team, you mm. know? So yeah, be, be more deliberate with who you spend your time with who you eat with and who you climb with. Nice. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I have yet to ask that question and have it totally flop. Like everyone, you know, I've put people on the spot and they're like, uh, you know, like who am I to do some yeah. philosophical thing? But then everyone like just comes out with such a great answer and it's always different. Yeah. And nice. yeah, nice job. <laughs> um, yeah, what, is, what, what does Ethan have for me? Uh Oh yeah. Let's dive into it in one second. Um, where where can people find you? And um, obviously, I'll link to all the things, Matt Siegel. I'll link to your YouTube channel right there in people's podcast app. If they scroll down, they can click over there and subscribe. But anything else you want people to know about before I let you go? Uh, I don't think so. I think I think that's it. That's what I got going on right now. So all right, cool. Patrons, stick around. We'll uh, we'll dive into some more fun questions. And for the rest of you, we'll see you next time. Hey friends, hope you enjoyed that episode with Matt. If you want more, we ended up doing about 15 more minutes for patrons. So there's an extra out for patrons right now. You can go listen to it right now. It's about 15 minutes long. I just asked some of the questions that I'd received from Ethan Pringle for Matt. And we ended up talking about some of his biggest, most inspiring trad climbing projects. Some of the things that he really wants to do in the coming year as he pivots his focus into the world of hard trad climbing again. So fun to hear more about that. We covered a couple other topics as well. And you can go listen to it right now for free. Right now, there's a seven-day free trial for Patreon. You can sign up by clicking on the link right there in your podcast app. If you scroll down, it's patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. It's completely free. It just takes a few minutes to sign up. You can cancel at any time, no questions asked. And that will let you listen to the patron version of the show on Spotify. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. It gets you a bunch of perks and you can listen to all of the bonus stuff. And there's going to be more and more coming all the time. So check that out. I want to give lots of love to our sponsors for this episode. You can find them and their discount codes and links in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com for this episode. I link to all of the cooking inspiration Instagram profiles that Matt follows and some of his favorite cookbooks and some more goodies over there. So be sure to check out the show notes as well. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Enjoy your food this Thanksgiving if you guys celebrate Thanksgiving and be sure to be more deliberate about who you spend your time with. 
Enjoy your time with family and loved ones, and we will see you next time.